This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Our divisional, division by division NFL Draft Podcast continue Up tonight is the AFC Nord. If you have missed any of our previous episodes, we have covered the NFC East, the AFC East. We have covered the AFC South, the NFC North, and the NFC South. Tonight, we will get right into it with the Baltimore Ravens in round one, pick 22 overall. It took Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers. In the third round, they took a pick 86, Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson. A pick 124 in the fourth round, they took Mississippi edge Tavius Robinson. In the fifth round, a pick 157, they took Stanford quarterback Kyle Blue Kelly. In the sixth round, a pick 199, they took Oregon offensive tackle Malasala Umula Lulu. And in the seventh round, a pick 229 overall, they took USC offensive guard Andrew Voorhees who is going to miss this year due to an injury. Uh, their second-round pick they had used to trade for Roquan Smith during the season, so that's why a little light on draft picks this year. My favorite pick from their picks was Zay Flowers at pick 22. He was my second-favorite wide receiver in this class. After Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I think he offers inside-outside versatility I'm not sure how long Rashad Bateman is going to be in the fold there for Baltimore. I could see this being his last year there. They went out and signed Odell Beckham to a one-year deal. So I could see a scenario where Zay Flowers quickly develops into the second option there behind Mark Andrews. I'm not saying it's going to happen right away because I do think they will involve Odell a lot this year. We'll see what they get out of Rashad Bateman. But you, you you see how they've used Devin Duvernay over the last couple of years. I mean, Zay Flowers is a substantially better player there. So I like that they went back to the, the wide receiver well, uh, trying to surround Lamar Jackson, who they did get signed to a contract deal you know, prior to uh, the draft kicking off last week. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how he fits and the way that they deploy him. I think he'll be used in a variety of ways inside and outside. I think with Odell and Bateman there, he might be used a little bit more inside, but they can kick Bateman inside at times. They can kick Odell inside at times. So I think you'll see Zay Flowers on the outside too. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing on two wide receiver sets sooner rather than later. Like I said, I'm not sure how high they are on Bateman for the long haul there in Baltimore. In terms of value picks, I put Trenton Simpson and Andrew Voorhees as my value picks. There was a lot of mock drafts for a while that had Simpson in consideration for late round one, if not late round one, early uh, or mid round two at the absolute latest for him to fall all the way to pick 86. I know the off the ball linebacker position continues to be a little bit devalued, uh, but, but Simpson's one of those guys that extremely athletic sideline to sideline he's got coverability he's got range uh he's gonna fit in there with Baltimore who did not pick up the 50-year option on Patrick Queen so I think they're gonna look at Trenton Simpson down the line to be the starter next to Roquan Smith 
So that was a really good value pick getting there in the third round when he could have went off the board. Even if he wasn't going to go off the board round one, by draft night, you didn't see him a lot in, in round one mocks, but I still thought most people thought he'd be gone somewhere in the early to mid portion of round two. Worst case scenario, you know, late round two, and then there he's sitting there, you know, well into round three. So I thought that was tremendous value. And then Voris, yeah, if he doesn't suffer that injury at the combine, we're probably talking about a guy who's in that round four, round five border. So the fact that, you know, they pick him at 229 overall, he gets a red shirt year. I mean, the odds of seventh round picks hitting is very, very low. So to take a shot on a guy who would who was supposed to be taken rounds earlier and would have been taken rounds earlier if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the injury, I think is a really good value pick. If we talk about my questionable move, and again, I try to stay away from, you know, picking on like a sixth or seventh round pick as a questionable move. I would say in a really deep running back class that I thought, you know, had really talented players go, you know, well into round five, I thought it was a little questionable not taking a running back. You know, we've seen J.K. Dobbins battle a lot of injuries. Uh, he came back last year. You know, he's on the last year of his rookie deal. I don't see a scenario where they bring him back. So, you know, Gus Edwards battled injuries last year. I was surprised they didn't invest where they took either Tavius Robinson in the fourth round or in the fifth round they took Stanford cornerback Kyle Blue Kelly. I'm surprised they didn't go running back there. There were some really interesting options left on the board at those spots, you know, uh, whether it's Chase Brown or Eric Gray and, you know, other guys that that could have been in the mix there that I thought would have added a lot to that running back depth chart. So I think that was the one questionable decision I had. Overall, I thought it was a pretty solid draft. It wasn't the usual draft. We usually see the Ravens have a lot of picks, especially in that, like, you know, fourth, fifth round range. Uh, but I, I like the Flowers pick. I like the Simpson pick. I think it's good value. I didn't talk about it before, but I like the Caillou Blue Kelly pick. He was a guy that, you know, when the process started, most people thought third, fourth round. He falls to the fifth round. So I thought that was a pretty good value pick as well. And I like Stash and Voorhees for a year and kind of seeing what he turns into, uh, down the line. If we keep this moving along, next up is the Cincinnati Bengals. At pick 28 overall in the first round, they took Clemson Edge, Miles Murphy. In the second round, pick 60 overall, they took Michigan cornerback DJ Turner. In the third round, at pick 95 overall, they took Alabama safety Jordan Battle. In the fourth round, at pick 131, they took Purdue wide receiver Charlie Jones. In the fifth round, at pick 163, they took Illinois running back Chase Brown. In, in the sixth round, they had a pair of selections. Uh, 206, they took Princeton wide receiver Andrea Isosovis. And also at 217, they took Michigan punter Brad Robbins. And then to round it out in the seventh round, pick 246 overall, they took Miami of Florida defensive back DJ Ivy. My favorite picks here, DJ Turner and, and Charlie Jones. Uh, I also think they got tremendous value on DJ Turner. He was in the mix as, as a guy who could have snuck off the board late round one or early round two. To get him at pick 60, I thought it was tremendous uh, value and a guy that I thought could have went much higher. We're talking about a guy with 4.26 speed. Uh, I think he probably profiles best inside, but 
I do think, you know, he could potentially also, you know, play on the outside as well. Uh, but, but the Bengals know, you know, listen, the AFC is going to be a tough road every year. The quarterback play in the AFC is daunting and you need to have weapons in the secondary that can, that can cover. You need pass rushers. And I think that's kind of what they looked at this as. They didn't need Miles Murphy in the first round. They have a really good stable of pass rushers, but they said, let's keep adding to it. Let's create, you know, four guys where we can rotate and keep them fresh. And I think that's what the Miles Murphy pick was. So for me, you know, they're, they're, they're building up the ways that they got to beat the other teams in their conference, beat the Chiefs, beat the Bills. So Miles Murphy was adding to the pass rush. DJ Turner was adding to the secondary. Uh, I love the Charlie Jones pick because Charlie Jones is a guy that we don't know what's going to happen with T. Higgins. I'm pretty sure they're going to get rid of Tyler Boyd after the year. You know, they're going to have to save some money here or there. Tyler Boyd's going to get a decent contract from a team who might look at him as a guy, you know, who could be a more integral part of their offense than than the Bengals use him because they have Jamar Chase, because they have T. Higgins. So I think Charlie Jones could be a guy, very similar to how I said, I thought Tyler Scott could be the heir apparent to Darnell Mooney in Chicago when, during the NFC North recap pod. I think Charlie Jones could be the guy that replaces Tyler Boyd there as their slot receiver, but add a vertical component to the mix as well because Charlie Jones tested out and showed a lot more speed than I thought maybe people were giving him credit for. So I really like Charlie Jones. I, I think Jones and Turner are going to become starters there. If you consider a slot wide receiver a starter, if you consider a nickel corner a starter, I think both of those guys are, are going to develop into starters there. I, I really like both of those picks. Uh, Murphy is a guy who I talked about already. Well, it doesn't feel a big need for them. It's hard to ever complain about going pass rusher in the way the league is set up right now. And, you know, there was a once upon a time that people thought Murphy was a top 10, top 15 pick. I'm not sure a lot of people ever thought he was going to make it to 28, even as, you know, maybe we knew he wasn't going to go top 10, top 15. I, I thought 15 to 25 would probably be the sweet spot for him. So for the Bengals to get him at 28, you know, also, you know, it was a good spot in the first round. My favorite value picks, even though I, I talked about DJ Turner being a value, uh, even Miles Murphy was a value. Uh, Chase Brown in the fifth round and Isosavis in the, in the sixth round. You know, Chase Brown, if he would have went off the board early round four, I don't think anybody would have been too surprised. And he's sitting there, pick 163 overall. You know, the uncertainty with Joe Mixon, is he going to be on the roster this year? Is this going to be his last year on the roster? They, Samaj P. Ryan left via free agency to go to Denver. They don't got a lot behind Joe Mixon. Uh, so Chase Brown might have a real opportunity this year to be the backup to Joe Mixon. And if the Joe Mixon situation goes a different direction and he's not on the roster, well, Chase Brown's going to have a real opportunity to be a starter or lead a committee there. I mean, maybe they go out and get a veteran, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's still out there, Leonard Fournette's still out there. But if they didn't make a move like that, Chase Brown would get a real opportunity. So I really like the Chase Brown pick. And then I already talked about Higgins and Boyd being free agents next year. You know, there's not a, it's not an impossible scenario where, you know, they look at a guy like Andrea Isosovic coming out of Princeton. They think he needs some development and refinement coming from a small program, you know, and they look at him as maybe a guy who can develop to be a part of their outside wide receiver, you know, situation and the guy who can take the top off defenses. So I, I thought that was a really good value pick because again, speed. I thought a guy like Bryce Ford Whedon, who, who the Giants ended up signing as a, you know, undrafted free agent, uh, 
I thought Ford Weedham was going to go higher. I thought Andrea Asosovic was going to go higher due to the speed element they brought. So I thought getting him in the sixth round was good value. Uh, Jordan Battle in the third round was about where I expected him to come off the board. He could develop into a starter there. Really, really solid player out of Alabama. Could do a lot of different things. Got versatility to you know, play in the box, uh, play back. So I like Jordan Battle pick there as well. In terms of my questionable pick, I really did like their their one through six, their their first six picks here uh, in, in the draft. I would say not drafting a tight end. I thought it was the biggest surprise. They were very much connected to be to looking at a tight end in round one. Maybe they never really were all that in. and that Or maybe just the value of Miles Murphy was too good to pass up. And then by the time we got to their, their pick 60, they just didn't love the tight ends on the board. We had a lot of tight ends come off the board in round two. Uh, so I thought that was a little bit of a questionable move. I know they went out and got Irv Smith in, in free agency, who has not been able to stay healthy. But I do believe I always believed in the talent of Irv Smith. But I do think it was a little bit questionable, similar to how I said Baltimore didn't go for a running back in what I thought was a really deep running back draft. This was one of the better tight end classes of all time, to be honest with you, in terms of the depth and the quality. And we sort of kind of play out with just how many went off the board in the top 100 picks. So Cincinnati not taking one, you know, somewhere early in the first two, three, four rounds was a little bit surprising and a little bit of a questionable move. Keep this going to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, their first pick was not until the third round at pick 74 overall. It took Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman. In the third round at pick 98, they took Baylor defensive tackle Siaki Ika. In the fourth round at pick 111, they took Ohio State offensive tackle Dewan Jones. In the fourth round at pick 126 overall, it took Missouri edge Isaiah McGuire. In the fifth round at pick 140 overall, it took UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. In the fifth round at pick 142, they took Northwestern cornerback Cameron Mitchell. And in the sixth round, I pick 190 overall. He took Ohio State center Luke Whipler. Uh, still missing draft capital due to the Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, so they didn't have their first pick to the third round. But I got to tell you, I absolutely loved what the Browns did in terms of the actual draft picks they made. The amount of value and, and, and they found up and down from the third round for the sixth round is as good as anybody in the draft this past year. I would say my favorite picks, again, all of them could be deemed value picks, but I'll, I'll kind of hone in on a couple that I think are the best value. But my favorite picks were Cedric Tillman and Dewan Jones. You know, they traded for Elijah Moore. So you have Amari Cooper, you have Elijah Moore. They needed one more guy, I think, you know, to really finalize like that depth chart of having three guys that really could be weapons there for Deshaun Watson, you know, on top of tight end David Njoku and the run game, obviously with Nick Chubb. And I think Cedric Tillman fits it perfectly. I think a, a three wide set of Tillman, Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, I think right now, probably in two wide sets, it'll be Elijah Moore over a guy taking, you know, at pick 74 overall in his rookie year. So I think it'll be Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, uh, in two wide sets, but then moral kick inside when Tillman comes onto the field. And then, listen, I know there's some question marks about Dewan Jones and, and stuff like that. Work ethic, desire, character. I'm not going to get into all that, but all I know is he was one of the best right tackles in this draft class. He was a guy who, if he would have went late round one to early to mid portion of round two, I would have kind of understood it. You know, there's not a lot of guys his size and the capability that he brings. So I think the, I think the Browns got a legit starting right tackle in the fourth round at pick 111. So as long as they can kind of keep him motivated, you know, absolutely love that pick. My favorite value picks, even though I think you can go up and down the board here in terms of finding value. I'll say Cameron Mitchell. 
he was a guy that was in a lot of people's top 100 big boards in terms of guys that can come off the board on the first couple rounds of the NFL draft. He falls to pick 142. This is a guy who I think could come in and compete for a starting cornerback job, you know, if not in year one, by year two. And then Luke Whipler in the sixth round. I mean, there was a lot of buzz, obviously, here in New York following the Giants closely. There was a lot of buzz that Whipler was going to be a guy late round three, early round four, that if the Giants didn't get a Joe Tipman or who they ended up getting, John Michael Schmitz, that Whipler or Ricky Stromberg might have been their guy at late round three, early round four. And then here he goes falling to the sixth round. I know he's more of a center only type guy, uh, but he's athletic. You can get him on the move. Uh, for him to fall all the way to pick 190, it was stunning because I thought he's got traits to become a starting offensive center uh, in the National Football League. So I thought that was great value. Isaiah McGuire, he's that prototypical like three, four, five tech. Uh, but I really like Isaiah McGuire. I thought he had starter traits. I thought he was going to come off the board, you know, late round three or early round four. He ends up coming off the board a little bit later in round four, pick 126. Dorian Thompson Robinson was my favorite. Him and Jerron Hall were my two favorite Dave Free type flyer at the quarterback position. I think he could develop into a really high quality backup there. Uh, I really like that pick. Up and down the board, really a fan of a lot of what the Browns did. If I was going to question one thing, uh, Siaka Ika, like there was, there was a lot of big boards that did not have him in the top 100. Uh, so I thought maybe he was going to fall to the early portion of day three, but that's really nitpicking. He has a specialized role. He's, he's one of the best, you know, pure nose tackles in this draft class. So, you know, I don't really dislike the pick at all, but I think if you're going to find one thing to question, maybe a, a slight slight half around reach or something on him would be the one thing. But all in all, a really, really strong draft. From a team without a first or second round pick, they very much could have had the best draft of any team in the AFC North. And let's round it out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, in the first round, pick 14, they traded up a couple spots to take Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones. At pick 32, in the start of the second round, they took Penn State cornerback Joey Porter Jr. That was the pick that he received from Chicago for Chase Claypool. Absolute home run of a trade for the Steelers. Also in the second round, at pick 49 overall, they took Wisconsin defense tackle Keanu Benton. Later in the uh, in the third round, at pick 93, they take the falling due to medical Georgia tight end Darnell Washington. In the fourth round, at pick 132, they take Wisconsin linebacker Nick Herbig. In the seventh round, they took Purdue cornerback Corey Trice. And then later in the seventh round, it took Maryland offensive guard Spencer Anderson. Favorite pick here, favorite picks here. Joey Porter Jr. at the top of the second round, uh, and Broderick Jones. The trade up, uh, it, it sounds like the Jets weren't going to take him, but you know, at the time, it seemed like the Jets were very much in on Broderick Jones. But the, to trade up, the small trade up to go get Broderick Jones, uh, to help fortify that offensive line and that offensive tackle position I think was a brilliant move I think he you can make the case he's got the highest ceiling him and Paris Campbell got the highest ceiling of any of the the offensive tackles taken in round one so I really like that pick Joey Porter Jr. I'm stunned that he fell out of round one I understand there's some concerns or you know or limitations in terms of certain aspects of his game but we're talking about you know guy with great size good athleticism great length you know, press man corner, tough physical player. Uh, so I, I love the Porter pick there. You could also say that presents tremendous value as well, Joey Porter Jr. But they had plenty of value picks, so I could have went in lots of directions. For me, my favorite value picks, 
Darnell Washington, while I thought maybe early, while I thought maybe late round one was a tad early, I didn't see a scenario where he didn't get picked in somewhere in round two. He falls late to round three. Again, it sounds like there were some medicals with his foot or whatever, but, you know, to pair him with Pat Fryermood, you know, it gives them the upside to have arguably the best one-two duo at the tight end position in time. Uh, I really like that pairing there. He's another guy who's going to help out just in terms of blocking as well because we know that's something that he can do well at his size and athleticism. So love that pick there. Corey Trites in the seventh round. A lot of people thought late round three, early round four. Uh, again, there might have been some medicals there that made him drop, but Corey Trice in round seven, you don't find talent at the cornerback position like Corey Trice in round seven. So really good value there as well. Uh, I like the Keanu Benton pick in the second round. To me, he's going to become develop into a starter. Nick Herbig is a really interesting piece. So I look at his draft class, you know, and, and I see Broderick Jones and Joey Porter and Keanu Benton as all being starters sooner rather than later. I see Darnell Washington playing a huge role there in two tight end sets. I see Nick Herbig being a, a rotation player uh, and can do some stuff because he's got some edge capabilities and pass rushing ability as well. I like Corey Trice's upside. I, I didn't find one pick that I that I can question. I didn't find one decision or one move that I can question. To me, this was one of the best drafts in the entire NFL draft. Uh, you know, there were other ones like the Eagles that I love, the Seahawks, who I love, the Colts, the Giants, uh, but the Steelers are right up there as one of my favorite drafts. Uh, in the entire NFL draft. So if I was going to rank just the AFC North tier, I would say the Steelers, uh, which were one of my favorite drafts in the entire league, they would be number one. Uh, Cleveland, even with the limited draft capital, I think would be my second favorite draft class based on what they were able to accomplish with those picks. Uh, so Cleveland would be number two. Uh, and then I think it would be... I think it would be Cincinnati three. Uh, I do like what they did there. A little surprised they didn't draft a tight end, but I like the other the the players they got, and I thought they got good value. And then rounding it out, fourth would actually be the Baltimore Ravens, which is not what I usually am saying post draft. They seem to usually always be on the really strong winner side. I thought it was a little bit of a lackluster draft there, besides. Uh, Zay Flowers, and then, you know, we'll see what Trenton Simpson develops into. I like the pick there, uh, but not the usual Baltimore draft where everyone is applauding it, uh, you know, with A-pluses basically, you know, after the draft. So there it is, guys, my thoughts on every team in the AFC North. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please get over to the website. SS Football is the fastest and quickest way to get there. Uh, check out the premium content tab. It is still not too late to get the premium notebooks for $9.99. You get access to the 2023 rankings notebook. It has all of our rankings, uh, dynasty rookie rankings for all your dynasty rookie drafts. It has IDP dynasty rookie ranks. It'll, it has my overall draft ranks, my tiers on for based on film, uh, it's going to have our positional overall dynasty ranks updated in the next couple of weeks. Uh, all the free agent changes, switches, trades, and then all the rookies added in. So that'll have massive updates on that. You also got the scouting notebook, which has a hundred detailed player profiles on the offensive skill players that were just drafted. And then the draft projections notebook. And while, like I said, the draft is coming gone, that notebook still has uh, almost 400 players in it, a snapshot of who they are, how they win, some developmental areas. Uh, so a lot of information that could still be valuable off of the draft projections notebook as well. So please get over to the website, check that out, uh, and, and consider purchasing it as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, 
and myself. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>